The title of my message this evening is continuing in our series. I don't know how long it's going to go, but tonight the title is Kareth Brook, A Place to Stay. As you know, we've been in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 2. And I'll read it once again. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my own word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Remember, the word came because he was faithful. Then the word came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the word of the Lord, he did what the Lord told him to. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Because when we obey, we're blessed. Amen? When we obey, we get to enjoy bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat in the evening, bread and meat in the afternoon, bread and meat at midnight if that's when you want it. But when we obey, that is the key to us enjoying bread and meat whenever we need it, church. And like I said last week, we will never get from the promise to the provision. We will never get from the the promise of bread and meat to the actual bread and meat without the first step of obedience being demonstrated in our life. We learned last week that Elijah would have never enjoyed the bread and meat. He would have never enjoyed the blessing unless he took a step of obedience. Amen? And that's what you and I have to do as well. If we want to ever experience the fullness that God has for us, we have to take that step of obedience. And not only do we have to walk in obedience, we have to stay there as well. And that's what I'm going to look at tonight. It's the staying. Because if you look at verse 5... It not only tells us that Elijah did as the Lord told him to when he went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, it added this phrase, and he stayed there. And how many of you know God doesn't say anything without a meaning? God doesn't say anything without there being a reason for what he said. So I'm going to look at those those two words or three words, and he stayed there because there's something we need to learn from that, church. We need to understand that, that the Hebrew word, uh, again, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic and in Greek. You need to understand. But in the Hebrew, it said, and he settled there, or he dwelt there, or he made his abode there. And if you understand what I'm saying or beginning to get an idea of what I'm saying, this is what it, was, this is what it means. It means that Elijah stayed in obedience to God's Word. Not only did he go to the Kareth Brook and go to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, but the Bible tells us that he stayed in the same obedience that took him there. You see, what you and I need to understand, it's one thing to just immediately respond to the Word of the Lord, but it's another to stay obedient to that Word. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at this evening. We need to understand that, that, that Elijah remained in the Father's will. He lived and moved and breathed in the Father's will. He lived and moved and breathed at Kareth Brook, in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And what we learned last week was that was a place of obedience. Amen? So what we have to gather from this short little phrase or short little remark that God made is that Elijah lived and moved and breathed in a place of obedience. He lived and moved and breathed in Kareth Brook. He dwelt there, settled there, made his abode there, church. And what we have to understand... 
is that if we want supernatural blessing, if we want supernatural provision, if we want the supernatural protection of God, which are all the things that Elijah experienced while he was there, supernatural power, supernatural uh, provision, and supernatural protection. And if we want those things in our lives, if we want to eat bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat at night, church, then we have to learn to stay in obedience to God's Word. When you study this passage, you'll find that Elijah went nowhere until God told him to in verse 9 when he said to him, go to Zarephath. So we have one occasion, God tells him to go to the to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, and then many months later, and we'll, I'll teach you this tonight. I'm going to teach you tonight, okay? I might get you out of here, but i got some stuff to teach you. We find out that until God spoke to him again, the word go, he stayed in the Kareth Ravine. He stayed submitted to the word of God that was spoken into his life. He stayed in a place of obedience. And this is why he was blessed. This is why he was protected. This is why he was anointed. And we need to understand that if we want those same things, we too must remain in the Father's will, church. What we have to realize is that Elijah, uh, when he, he didn't go anywhere, like I said, until God told him to go. But when he got there, he wasn't like some of us are. He didn't get there and then say, God, I, I don't really like this place. I don't like this ravine. These aren't first class enough. These aren't, these aren't up to my uh, standards of, of where I would want to be in life. So I, I think I'll leave here. The Bible tells us that he went, and when he got there, he stayed there, church. You see, the reality is a lot of times that God sends us somewhere, and we get there, and we don't like where he sent us. We don't like the situation. We don't like the circumstance. We don't like the surroundings. And we do everything we can to get out of there. But God brought him there for a reason. Remember, it was a place of preparation. It was a place where God was working in his life and he wanted to do something. It was the place where he would receive ministry and the call and the anointing on his life. And unless he stayed there, he wouldn't have received those things. So this is what you and I have to understand. He didn't pack up his bags and take off from the brook when he felt like it. He didn't pack his bags and take off from the brook when he he tired of being there. He, he didn't pack up his, his tent pegs and, uh, and, and walk away when his surroundings began to change. And we're going to learn tonight that during the months, again, months that he was there, his surroundings changed, church. His surroundings uh, didn't look the same from day one to, to, to the last day when God told him to leave. But what we want to, you to understand is that no matter what was going on around him, he stayed. No matter what his situation looked like, no matter what his circumstance looked like, he stayed in the will of the Father, church. Understand this was much more than an overnight camping trip. This was much more than a weekend outing or a weekend event, church. This is where Elijah's permanent residence would be for up to several months. Some theologians say that he lived there for up to a year. This was his dwelling place. This became his home. This became the place, like I said, where he lived and moved and breathed for up to one full year. He remained faithful to God's word in his life every day that he was there. He remained obedient. Whether it was one month or three months or five months or one year, according to the word of God, he stayed there. He remained obedient to the word of God that told him to go there. And the the reality is, listen, you and I have to do the same. Every day he was there, he remained faithful to the word of the Lord in his life. 
Every day that he was there, he remained faithful to the word that God spoke to him until God spoke again. You see, and the reality is that's, that's, that's some of the difficulties we have. God speaks to us and he wants us to stay in that word. And we run off before he speaks another word. We're anxious. We grow weary. We don't know how to wait. We don't know how to be still and know that he's God. We don't know how to trust in that word. And so we, we, sometimes we go running around looking for a word instead of waiting for a word. Please listen to what I'm saying. Jer- uh, 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 Elijah didn't go running around looking for another word when his surroundings began to change. He didn't go running around looking for someone else to speak a word into his life because he didn't like what he was seeing. He waited there until God spoke. And the reality is all of us need to learn to do that same thing. We got to stop running around, try to get a word here and try to get a word there. Run to a prophet here and run to someone else here. We need to wait and be still and let God speak into our life. Because it's in that waiting period where God's doing something. It's in that waiting period where He's trying to get you to understand and learn His voice. Before too often we get up and we run to find another word somewhere else. And a lot of times it's because we don't like the word God spoke to us the first time. What was the word that God spoke to Jonah? Jonah didn't like it. You see what I'm saying? He ran off somewhere else looking for another word. And we have to learn to stay in the Word God speaks to us until God speaks again. And the reality is, listen, He will speak again. It's my belief that if, that if Elijah would have run off before God spoke, God might have never spoke to him another word the rest of his life. If Elijah wouldn't have stayed, his ministry might have been done. His ministry might have been over. God might have never spoke another word to him the rest of his life. But he stayed there and God spoke to him again. And he'll speak to you and me. Amen? The reality is, he didn't go running off looking to find food somewhere else. Please please grasp this. You know what he was fed. He was fed, he was fed bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the afternoon. It was a supernatural supply. But most of us would probably have started grumbling and complaining. Same bread, same meat. I'm tired of this. Losing sight of the fact that it was a supernatural provision from God. Like the Israelites, they grumbled, they complained about the same manna. You understand? He could have done that, but he didn't go running off looking for a restaurant somewhere else. He didn't go looking for a quick trip. He stayed in the word of the Father that was spoken into his life. When the surroundings began to change, he didn't go running off looking for somewhere else to stay. He didn't go running looking for another place that looked better than where he was because he knew that where he was is exactly where God wanted him to be. And that understanding is what brought the anointing into his life. That understanding is what empowered him to do something great for God. God can't use the individual that can't be still. And know that he's God. God's not going to anoint the individual when they're all messed up by what they see. They run some. God's not going to use someone like that. He's going to use and empower and anoint the individual that understands how to stay there. Amen? So this is what I'm trying to teach you. The Bible tells us that he stayed there. He stayed in God's will, church. He remained in God's spoken word until God spoke another word into his life. He dwelt at the brook God told him to go to until God told him where to go and what to do next. And he did. 
He told him to go to Zarephath. And, and we're going to talk on that in the coming weeks because we're not meeting next week. Remember, you might be here, but I won't be here. If you want to come, you'll come. I'm sure God will be here, but I won't be here. But anyway, what I want you to see is what I said in the beginning. We have to learn how to stay there because it was one thing for Elijah to go to the Kareth Ravine. And it was another for him to stay there, church. He didn't go and, and, and say, God, this isn't first class and leave. God, this isn't what I expected and leave. This isn't what I want and leave. He stayed there, the Bible says, because it's one thing to go as instructed, but it's another to stay in that instruction. It's one thing for you to respond to God's instruction, and it's another for you to live in that instruction. It's one thing for you to take a step out in God's instruction, and that step could be huge. But what's even bigger is you staying in that. You see, the first thing, it it was a big deal for Peter to step out of the boat. That was instruction. Come. And he took that first step. It was a huge step, church. But what's more important is the second step and the third step and the fourth step. And you find out what happened to Peter when he didn't stay in obedience or stay in faith. He sank. And the same thing will happen to us. So it's not the first step that matters. It's the last step that matters. God wants you to stay in His will and stay in His Word and stay in His presence and stay in His blessing until He calls you home. Until He speaks from the heavens, church. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about life. Until God speaks the final word, go get my children, and He calls us home, we're to stay in obedience to His Word in our life. If we want to eat bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and if we want to drink from the brook, church, this is what we have to understand. It's one thing to come to Christ, but it's another thing to stay in Christ. It's one thing to come to Christ, to make that confession on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or any other day of the week. But it's another thing to stay in Him and remain in Him. Listen, there's a lot of people that make that confession Sunday after Sunday. But by the next Sunday, they've already left. They've come to Christ with tears. They've come to Christ with a heart that that at that moment needs Him or wants Him. But by the next week, they've already left. And this is what we can't do in our Christian life. We must stay in our relationship with God. We must stay in obedience to Christ. Amen? Remember, Jesus said in John 15, 15, He who remains in me, he who stays in me, he who continues in me, he goes on and says, will continue to produce in their life. But those who don't remain, those who don't stay, he says, those who don't abide... There's a consequence, and he says they will dry up. Those who remain in me, those who stay in me, they will always be bringing forth life. They will always be bringing forth fruit. They will always be bringing forth power. They will always be be demonstrating the fruit of obedience in their life. But those who don't stay in me, they're going to dry up, he said. They're going to wither up and die. And the sad reality is, church, that's where a whole lot of Christians are today. They're drying up because they're not staying in God. Understand, if Elijah wouldn't have stayed in Kareth Brook, excuse me, if he wouldn't have stayed in Kareth Brook, I believe his ministry would have dried up. If he wouldn't have stayed in Kareth Brook in that place of anointing, I believe his anointing would have dried up. I believe his future would have dried up. It's quite possible that if Elijah left, 
Kareth Brook before the Lord told him to because the Lord knew what was going on around him concerning the famine in Ahab. If he would have left before the Lord told him to, I believe he himself would have been dried up under the famine that was sweeping all across the land or dried up by the hands of an angry Ahab himself. Remember last week I told you that when we, when we disobey, we're always swallowed up by something. The same truth goes that unless we're willing and ready to stay in God, stay in His Word, stay in His presence, stay in His will for our life, we're going to dry up, church. We're going to wither up. That's what's true for all of us, church. We have to learn to stay in His commands. We have to learn to stay in His Word, this Word and His spoken Word. We need to learn to stay in His will. We have to stay in His house, I believe. We have to stay in fellowship with Him. We have to stay in prayer and we have to stay in Jesus Christ. Or the Bible says we'll dry up. And we can't afford that, church. But sadly, that's where so many Christians are today. We're dried up. We have a dried up marriage. We have dried up finances. We have a dried up family. We have a dried up prayer life. We have a dried up praise life. There's individuals coming into the house of God, the house of God as sons and daughters of the Most High God and their life is completely dry. Why? Because they're not staying in Christ. Because they're not staying in His Word. Because they're not staying in His will, which is the spoken Word into His life. Every, every time you read the Word, God's speaking His Word to you. Every time you come to church on Sunday, Wednesday, listen to a Bible study, go to men's prayer, go to ladies' Bible. Anytime you hear the Word of God, He's speaking direction into your life. And unless we are willing to stay in that church, we're going to dry up. Everything about us will dry up. Listen, if your marriage isn't staying in Christ, guess what's going to happen to it? Dry up. It amazes me. I'll counsel people that'll come into the church. They'll talk to me about their marriage. They'll talk to me about their family situations. And one of the first questions I'll ask them is, when's the last time you prayed together or when's the last time you were in the Word? When's the last time you spoke the word over the relationship or spoke the word over your children and they can't even remember the last time? Full of excuses. And they wonder why they're dry. They wonder why it's dying. Because they're not staying. Listen to me. There is power in staying, church. And it's the last thing the devil wants you to do. The last thing he wants you to do is stay. The last thing he wants you to do is abide. The last thing he wants you to do is remain. He'll do everything he can around your life. Please get this. He'll do everything he can around your life to distract you and cause you to panic and fear and become disrupted or lose your faith. So you run. And when you do, you're going to dry up. You're going to die. And you will not find bread and meat in the morning. And bread in the meat in the evening, church. Elijah stayed there, the Bible says. And it's exactly why God used him. He stayed, church, and it's exactly why God anointed him. He stayed and it's exactly why God empowered him and blessed him and provided for him and protected him, church, because he stayed. Listen, one, it's one thing to follow God's word or instruction, like I said, but it's another to stay in it and dwell it, no matter what the situation may look like around us, no matter what the situation might feel like around us, church. We have to be willing to stay where God calls us to, no matter what the accommodations might be. But again, that's the struggle so many Christians have today. It's in the staying, when it's not comfortable, when it's not convenient, 
when it's not easy, when it's not first class. And I'm not, you know what I'm talking about when I say first class, when it's not up to what we want, when it's not up to our desires, when it's not up to our taste, when it's not up to our will, when it's not where we want it to be, church, when it's not politically correct, when it's not according to our desires, when it costs us too much, church, we don't want to stay in God's will. We don't want to stay in the place that God has us, church. We don't want to stay in obedience. And we run off and we dry up. When His Word gets too hard, when the direction gets too difficult, we leave like the disciples did in John six sixty when they said to Jesus after He preached a hard and difficult word to them and they said, This is a hard word, Jesus. Who can do it? This is a hard word, Pastor Allen. Who can do it? This is a hard word, Pastor Jeff. How can I stay in that? How can I remain in that? It's a hard word. And we find when we read farther in, six verses later, many of the disciples left him, the Bible says. It says, after that day, many no longer stayed with him. Why? Because it was too hard. Because it was too difficult. But the sad reality is they missed out on the blessing. You never hear anything about the disciples that didn't stay. You only hear about the ones that stayed. Amen? You don't hear anything about those that walked away except maybe they hung themselves like Judas did. You don't hear good things about those that didn't stay. You hear sad stories. But those that stay, church, you hear good things about them. You, you, you hear good things that, that demonstrate that the anointing was on them, that God's blessing was upon them, that God was providing for them and protecting them. Amen? Because we need to learn to stay because that's where the power is. They did not stay with Him. And so often we do the same. We don't stay in His instruction for our life and we depart from it because it's hard, because it's difficult. Because it's not like what we want or maybe even not what we hoped for or maybe not even what we were expecting, church. But when we walk away, I'm telling you, we will dry up, church, and so will His blessings. Far too often when things get tough, when things don't look like we want them to, when the, and I want you to hear this, when the natural resources, because I'm going to touch on this, when the natural resources run low like they did at Kareth Brook, church, We leave and we don't stay. When things get tough, when things get rough, when things don't feel like, look like, sound like we expected them to or want them to, we pack our bags and we go. When things get rough in the marriage, we want to run, we want to go. When things get rough in the family, tough in the family, when they're not like we want them to be, we give up, we run away, we quit. We don't stay in school. We don't stay at the job. We don't stay in our struggle, church. We don't stay at our Kareth Brook, allowing God to do His work in us and around us, church, so that He can use us. You see, the reality is, uh, please understand, God took Elijah to Kareth Brook so He could use him. But before He could use him, He had to do something in him and he had to do something around him, church. And the reality is God will take you to a Kareth brook. God will take you to a fiery furnace. God will take you to the, to the Red Sea. God will take you to a million different places because He wants to use you. But He can't use you until He molds you, until He breaks you, until He does everything that He needs to in your life so He can use you. That's God's ultimate goal for you and me. He wants to use you. He doesn't want to just 
comfort you. Sometimes you got to go through discomfort in order for God to use you. Sometimes you got to go through the fire, go through the flame, go through the flood, go through the heartache, go through a careth brook, go through abundance, go through lack, go through sunny days, go through stormy days, go through sunshine, go through rain. You got to go through all of those things. Why? So God can use you. It's why God took Elijah to Kareth Brook. It wasn't just to feed him bread and meat in the morning and bread and the meat in the evening so he could get fat and die there. He took him to Kareth Brook and fed him meat in the morning and meat in the evening and bread in the morning and bread in the evening so he could sustain him while he was preparing him so he could use him. And over the next couple of weeks when we get back to, to the regular study, we'll see how God used him, Amen. And God wants to use you and I the same way, but He can't unless we stay, church. We have to stay. What God was teaching Elijah at Kareth Brook was to be still in His will and know that He's God. And we've got to do the same exact thing. When things don't look the way you want them to, don't feel the way you want them to, when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's sunny, when it's gray, when it's winter, when it's summer, We have to learn how to stay, church, because God's just doing something in us and around us in order for Him to use us. Amen? Listen, God never told Elijah how long he had to stay at Kareth Brook. He didn't say, go to Kareth Brook and stay there for a week. He didn't say, go to Kareth Brook, stay there for a month. He didn't say, go there for... He just said, go there. And he obeyed the word and he stayed waiting for the Lord to speak again. Sometimes God doesn't give us definitive uh, direction He'll tell you where to go. He might not tell you how long you're going to be in the pain. He might, tell you, he might not tell you how long you're going to be in the fire. He might not tell you how long you're going to be in the flood, how long you're going to be in the heartache, how long your marriage is going to struggle. He might, tell, he might not tell you that. But what he is telling you is that you need to learn how to stay while you're in the midst of it. Because while you're staying, I'm working. While you're staying, I'm maneuvering. While you're staying, I'm strengthening. While you're staying, I'm empowering. While you're staying, I'm developing. While you're staying, I'm doing something. While you're waiting on me, while you're being still, I'm moving. And this is what we have to understand. We have to learn how to be still in His will so His will can be done in our lives and around our lives. God never told Elijah how long he would stay, but we know it was at least several months. And what we need to see from this church is that from the first day when Elijah arrived in verse 4, the riverbanks were full. And until the day he, he, he left, or until the day they dried up actually in verse 7, between verse 4 and verse 7, there's several months time span. In verse 4, the bank, the riverbanks are full and the riverbanks are flowing. By verse 7, the Bible tells us that it's all dried up. And there's no water there. So here's what I want to teach you from that church. No matter what it was, whether the riverbanks were full or the riverbanks were empty, what did Elijah do? He stayed. From the day they were full to the day they were dry, he watched that water every single day from the day that it was full to the day that it was empty. And he stayed regardless of what he saw. He stayed regardless of what was happening, regardless of what was dying, regardless of the the natural resources that were being reduced while he stayed. He stayed. He stayed faithful to God. He didn't go running off looking for another brook. Didn't go running off looking for another river. He stayed there, church. Think about it. For the first few weeks or months, the waters were full. But the longer he stayed, the lower the waters became until the riverbed was dry. Many months later... 
Because the Bible says, because there was no rain. It's a natural reaction. Guess what? When it doesn't rain, what happens? The water stops to flow. The rivers dry, go dry. The ponds begin to go low. The water table begins to go down. This was something natural that was happening because there was no rain. For the first few weeks, for the first few months, the foliage, the plants, the wildlife were abundant. For the first few weeks that he was there, it might have been like paradise. The birds were chirping. The brooks were babbling. The wildlife was running all around. He had some creatures by his bedside, crickets chirping at night. Pleasant place to be. But just a few months later, we find out that the riverbed was gone. As time went by, his surroundings began to change. And when the water table goes down, you know what happens. The foliage begins to fade. The flower begins to fade. The grass begins to wither. The grass begins to die. The wildlife went away. In this period of time, between verse 4 and between verse 7, everything that was alive began to die. And all the wildlife that came to that same place to drink, they all left. Everything started to become barren. But here's what I want you to see. Except for the ravens, all of the wildlife would have began to have left because there was no sustenance there for them. So all the wildlife leaves except for the ravens who continued to obey the word of the Lord and bring bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. They obeyed the word of God while everything else left, while the natural, please get this, while the natural was diminishing, the supernatural stayed exactly the same. While in the natural, the water went down. While in the natural, the grass and the the leaves began to wither. While in the natural, everything that he saw around him, the supernatural promise power, provision of the Lord. The supernatural word that was spoken into his life when he said, and the ravens will feed you there. Everything diminished, but his power and promise remained exactly the same. It didn't go away, church. That's the power of the supernatural. That's the power of obedience. If he would have disobeyed, this supernatural provision would not have been his. And yet we go running off. Why? Because we got our eyes on the natural instead of the supernatural, church. Because how many of you know, the Bible says the flower will fade and the grass will wither. But what? The word of the Lord will endure forever. This is a demonstration of God's promise in His word right there at Kareth Brook. Though the flower will fade and the grass will wither... And all of those greeny grassy things die. The word of the Lord, which was commanded to the ravens to go to Kareth Brook with bread and meat in your mouth to feed my servant Elijah. That didn't change. Because God never changes, amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the things that I was thinking, church, here's how good God is. I'm just picturing this. I'm not saying this is theological. You can do with it what you want. But I don't read anywhere in that passage of Scripture, anywhere in that chapter, anywhere in that story where God told the the ravens to stop bringing bread and meat, even after He told Elijah to leave. That's how God's blessing... I don't see that. So I don't know. I'm picturing, man, Elijah's gone and those birds are still coming. 
Because the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen? Because maybe someone else walked by and they needed a piece of bread and someone else walked by and they needed a piece of meat because someone else walked by and they needed a blessing, church. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe the birds finally got a chance to eat it all because they hadn't got to eat any of that bread and meat for several months because God takes care of His own. Because the promises of God are yes and amen because the word of the Lord endures forever. And I'm just picturing that's how good God is. There's a big pile of meat building up and a big pile of bread building up. Even after Elijah left, amen? Because that's how good God is and that's the power of His word. And that's the power of obedience, amen? One of the things that we need want us to see, and again, I don't want to get too theological, but I told you I'm going to teach you here tonight. If you read verse 4... You need to understand that the water supply was never the promise. The bread and meat were. What do you mean? The water supply was never the promise. The bread and meat were. Because when you look at it, God never said, I will provide you water. He never said, I will cause water to flow. He never said, I'll I'll miraculously make some water flow where there is none. The water supply was never the promise the bread and meat were because when you look at it, like I said, God never said, I will provide the water. He just said to Elijah, you will drink there because the water was already flowing. The water was already a natural resource. It was already part of God's creation, but it was a natural resource, amen? But the meat and the bread were God's supernatural supply. There was nothing supernatural about the water that was flowing. Please get this, okay? Because it helps us in our spiritual life. The water was a natural resource. It was natural. This was just any day of the week, some Joe Doe could go by there and find water flowing, except for in the time of the famine and the drought, and then finally it would dry up. But even that's natural. When it doesn't rain, guess what? Nature takes in it. That's natural. But the bread and meat was a supernatural supply from God. It was supernatural for a raven to deliver meat and bread without eating it. It was supernatural provision. And it was according to the word of the Lord. God never said, I will cause water to flow for you. It was not part of the promise. It was part of the natural surroundings. It was part of the natural creation, the natural order of God's creation, okay? For water to flow, that's natural. For a bird to deliver meat and bread without eating it two times a day to the same place, there's something supernatural about that, okay? Here's why I say all that. Elijah stayed because he never had his eyes on the natural. Elijah stayed because he had his eyes on the supernatural, Elijah wasn't worried about the grass. He wasn't worried about the greenery. He wasn't worried about all the things that he saw withering and dying because every single day he saw that the word of the Lord endures forever. He saw that the promise that God made him endured forever while everything else was fading. There's the promise. It's there in the morning. It's there. Please get It's there in the morning. It's there in the evening. God's promise is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We just have to see it. We have to look at it. But if Elijah would have spent his whole day running over to the brook in the morning, oh, it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit lower. Oh, this favorite shade tree, oh, that's dead. It's gone. If we would have focused, if he would have spent his whole time focused on the natural, he would have missed the supernatural move of God. And he would have missed the supernatural provision of God as well. But that's what we do every morning. We get up and... 
We look at the natural. It's less, God. It ain't more. It's worse, God. It's not better. It's raining, God. It's not sunny. You understand what I'm saying? We go through life looking at the natural. And it controls us. It causes us to pack up our bags and run instead of staying in the Word of God that was spoken to us. Instead of staying in the promises of God that by His stripes we're healed. That He will rise up with healing in His wings. That the promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. And what we should do every morning, we get up. God, the grass seems to be withering. And the water seems to be a little bit lower. But the promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. That's what Elijah did for nine months to 12 months. He had his eyes on the supernatural promise of God. But that's not where we're at so often, church. We're just so overtaken by the natural. Listen, I don't serve a natural God. I serve a supernatural God who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what I can even think or imagine. What this puny little brain thinks God can do, God can outdo my thoughts. Please get that. Our thoughts are so puny sometimes. Why? Because we're focused on the natural. But if we could start focusing on the supernatural promise and power of God, guess what? Our thinking becomes elevated. And when our thinking becomes elevated, our promise becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Our anointing becomes bigger. Our our power becomes greater and stronger. If we could just stay In the promise God made to us, church. Stay in His Word. Listen, the last thing we can afford... Listen, when times are difficult, when the flower fades and the grass withers, when your situations and surroundings around you begin to change, when the water table gets low, when the cupboard gets bare, when the bank account seems to dry up, keep your eyes on the supernatural God. Because He's the one. He's the provider, church. And think... Two things we have to ask. Am I being obedient in this process? Because that could have to do with our lack. You know, when we're disobedient, our natural surroundings can even be affected. And the supernatural power of God can't ever balance it out. But when we learn to stay, not only does the supernatural work of God and power of God become evident in our life, but it affects the natural life around us as well. It will affect your cupboard. It will affect your bank account. It will affect those things. But God is saying, look, even when those things look like they're drying up, trust in me. Be still in me. Stay in me. Stay in my word. Stay in church. I can't figure this out sometimes, church. But the, so often when I, when I talk to individuals that I haven't seen in the house of God for a while, things get tough in their household and the first place they leave is the place they should be. It's the house of God. You should be in the Lord's house. You should be in this supernatural place where you can have your eyes on a supernatural God instead of woe is me in your little pity place of poverty. But that's where we like to live. Look, I've been there, church. I've been there. We have to get out of that. We have to stay. Listen, stay in our Kareth Brook. This is why the water began to run dry. And the meat and bread never did. 
because one was natural and one was supernatural. This is why the plants began to wither and the flower began to fade, but the bread and the meat never did because one was natural and one was supernatural, church. Natural order was for, for the birds to... The, the unnatural order, or the natural order, I can say, were, was for the birds to eat the meat and bread, but the supernatural was for them to leave it alone so that Elijah could enjoy it. And that's what God has for us. He has supernatural blessings in our life. But listen, we have to stay. Amen? Please grasp this. In the natural, Elijah had every reason to leave the ravine. In the natural, everything, like I said, was dying and drying. The birds stopped singing, the brook stopped babbling, and the plants started dying. But like I said, Elijah never focused on the natural. He focused on the supernatural supply of the Lord, and we have to do the same. Here's another thing that I want you to teach, or that I want to teach you. Elijah could have, could have taken matters into his own hands. You know the passage, and if you don't read it, Elijah could have taken matters into his own hands as he saw the the water table begin to lower as he saw the plants began to wither, the flower begin to fade, and he saw the natural reaction to a drought in, in, that surrounded or uh, occupied the land, he could have taken matters into his own hands and called for rain. But he didn't. Remember what he said? Remember when he was standing in front of a, a, a Ahab, the wicked king? He said to Ahab, there will be no rain in this land for three and a half years except at what? Except at my word. At any time during that year's period, at any time during that drought, at any time during the lack church that he saw developing, at any time while he saw the plants began to wither and the flower begin to fade and the water table go down, at any time he could have made it rain. He could have called out. He said, accept at my word. And the reality is Elijah could have spoken that word at any time, but he didn't. He waited on God. He stayed in God's will. He stayed in God's design. He stayed in God's plan. He didn't speak for his own need. He didn't speak for his own will. He didn't speak for his own desire. He waited on God. He waited there. See, listen, far too often we don't do what Elijah did. Elijah didn't take matters into his own hands, but so often we do. So often when things get low in our life or things get messy in our life or things get difficult in our life, we don't want to wait on God. We don't want to stay in God. We don't want to trust in God. So we take matters into our own hands and we start doing a rain dance. Trying to make it rain. I'm an Indian, so I'm not going to get going. I got some Cherokee in me and I'm not going to show you a rain dance, but that's what we do. We try to start our own little rain dance or we run to another river hoping to find sustenance in our life. We run to all the wrong places, church, when we need to just stay at Kareth Brook and trust in the power of God. Amen? He could have at any time spoken the word and caused it to rain, but he stayed in God's will and he stayed in that place of obedience. And I'm going to wind it down with this. I don't want to get too theological here, but this ties everything together, church. As I close, if you look at Ruth, I'm completely changing books here. And I I want you to follow me with it. But in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, you find a man, probably take me about six minutes to go through this. You find a man and his family who lived in Bethlehem during another famine that was going through their land. But they all left to go to the pagan land of Moab in order to find bread and meat there, okay? Famine means there's no bread, no meat, no food. So they left Bethlehem during a time of famine 
And they all went to the pagan land of Moab in order to find bread and meat there. There's no evidence that God told them to go. There's no evidence that God instructed them to go. There's no evidence that this was really or even the will of the Father. But according to Scripture, I'll let you read it yourself. According to Scripture, they sojourned there, the Bible says, anyway. And here's what I really want you to see. The family that I'm talking about was Elimelech, was the husband. Naomi, y'all know Naomi. He was, she was the wife. And their two sons, Malon and Chilion. Here's where I tie it together. They all left Bethlehem, which means the house of meat and bread. They all left Bethlehem. They all left the house of meat and bread in order to find sustenance in a pagan city, in the city of Moab, or in the city of Chemosh, which was the God that they worshipped. He was a pagan God. He was called the subduer and the destroyer of life. So here they leave the house of bread and meat in order to find sustenance, in order to find bread and meat in the city of the destroyer and the subduer. Now, how uh, unwise is that on a spiritual level? But we do it all the time. We leave the place of bread and meat. We leave Kareth Brook. We leave the place of obedience that brings a supernatural provision of God into our life. We leave there before God tells us to. And we run to Moab, uh, uh, who worships pagan gods, trying to find supernatural sustenance in a pagan land. Now, how smart is that? And yet we do it every single day. We leave the place of obedience. We leave Kareth Brook. We leave the house of meat and bread in that place of obedience and go out into a wicked, wild world hoping to find something to satisfy our soul and fill our soul. We think we can find it in the bars and we think we can find it in the brothels or in the backseat of a car or in a bottle of pills or a bottle of booze or in a sexual relationship hoping we can find sustenance in the places of pagans only to find ourselves subdued and destroyed by them. And this is exactly what happened to this family. Listen, I know some of you might think, well, that was, that's just an innocent. That's just innocent. They just left to, to, to support the family, to take care of the family. Well, listen, it might have been innocent. But according to this passage of Scripture, we need to learn something from this. They didn't, they didn't wait and be still like Elijah did. They ran off, tried to find another river. They ran off, tried to find another place of supernatural sustenance. They left the house of meat and bread. They left the city of sustenance in order to find sustenance in a pagan land. And yet we do that all the time. Every day we run out into this world to try to find some sort of sustenance. We work day in, day out, work our fingers to the bone, hoping to take care of ourselves. Church, we're relying on the natural instead of the supernatural. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to work. I'm saying that in this whole process, whatever we do, we better make sure God's told us to do it, church. We better make sure that God's the one that ordered us. Look, if you look at it closely, and I don't want to rush through this and I don't want to confuse you, but if you look at this real closely, okay, it's a word study. Elimelech, who was a father, it means mighty warrior. Their son's name, first son's name was Chilion, and it means wasting away. The second son's name was Malon, and it meant sickly or lacking in strength. Naomi, the wife, her name meant pleasant. But when you read this story, you find out that all, every single one of them, church, were subdued and destroyed by something. Every single one of them from the father, the mighty warrior, read it. The mighty warrior left the house of meat and bread to find sustenance in a pagan city only to die, to find himself weak, lacking strength and die. Chilion, Malon, the two sons left a place of meat and bread, a house of meat and bread. The place of of supernatural sustenance, the city of sustenance. 
to find it in a pagan city. And, the, and, and their life became exactly what their, their, their names meant. One of them wasted away and died. Another one grew sickly and weak and died. This is a word study that you need to... God's trying to teach us something here, church. And then finally you have, you, finally you have uh, Ruth, I mean Naomi. The Bible tells us she leaves and her life becomes bitter. Her, her, Naomi means pleasant. So she leaves the, she leaves the city of, of sustenance. She leaves the, the house of meat and bread pleasant. But the Bible says in her own words, she left bitter. She said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant because my life has become bitter. Why? Elimelech's life, mighty warrior, became weak and he died. Malon, Chilion, their two sons, leave a city of sustenance. They grow weak. They die. Naomi leaves the the house of, of meat and bread, pleasant, and she becomes bitter. Why? Because they didn't stay. They didn't stay in the city of sustenance. They didn't stay at their Carrot Brook. They didn't stay in that place of faith. They didn't stay in that place of, of just waiting on God. They left, church. Well, was the leaving innocent? Maybe it was. But I'm telling you, God is trying to teach us a lesson here. She says in her own words, and I, what I don't want to leave out here, and I'm, I'm running out of time, but what I don't want to leave out here, you know that Ruth comes from that. You know that whole story that comes from that. And the only thing that I want to tell you from that is that God can take what the devil meant for evil and turn it around for good. Amen? That even though when we walk in disobedience and some things go on in our life, He can take what the devil meant for harm and He can turn it around for good. Amen? Well, that happened in this life. But some lives were devastated in the process, church. Naomi says in her own words, she says, Do not call me Naomi. She said, Call me Mara. She said, call me Mara because my life is bitter. She said, I went away full, but I'm going back empty. She's speaking to her daughters-in-law and she said, I went away. Please get this. I went away. I left. I left the house of meat and bread full. She wasn't hungry. She wasn't lacking. But she she and the, the family must have had their eyes on the natural, but she confesses right here, I left the house of meat and bread full, and I'm going back empty. I left the house of meat and bread pleasant, but I'm going back bitter. And see, that's what happens, church. Listen, if you want your life to be full, and you want your life to be pleasant, you've got to learn to stay. You've got to learn to wait on God. Be still in His will. I'm not condemning them for leaving, but I truly believe God's teaching us something here. If you don't want your life to waste away, if you don't want to be a mighty warrior who tunes weak, if you don't want your life to go from pleasant to bitter, you have to learn to stay. Amen? How many of you, I'm winding this down now, how many of you want your life to be full? How many of you want your life to be pleasant? Stand to your feet because we're going to close this out. If you want to eat bread and meat in the morning, then we must stay in the house of meat and bread. We must stay in the city of sustenance. We must stay in our place of obedience, church. We must live there. We must dwell there. We must abide there. We must live and move and breathe in this place of obedience called Kareth Brook. 